0: Here we are once again. My name is Joe Painter. This is What's the Story on thepeoplechronicles.com. I hope you've made that a favorite by now. We have a very special show today, and I, I was thinking how I might introduce this guest. First of all, thank you, because uh, Tim Kreider made his way to me. He's the author of a book called Refuse to Drown on your recommendation. I got an email and said, please read this book and then talk to Tim. So I was curious, and I did. And, you know, sure enough, We don't know what life is going to bring. We never know. It's a journey, and and no day is a guarantee. And on any day, surprises happen. Sometimes they're wonderful. Sometimes they're not so wonderful. Uh, We've heard the term, boy, you've been through the mill, or I've been through the mill, or through the mucky muck. And that brings me to Tim Kreider. Uh, Tim, first of all, thank you for coming in and sharing some time with us.
1: Great. Thank you. I appreciate being here.
0: Most importantly, sharing your story.
1: Thank you. It was a long decision in doing so.
0: Is it fair to say that you know you're just going along in life, and much of your life resonates with all of us? You're divorced. You have shared custody. uh, You're planning a wedding, and and that's that. You're you're going along, and then one day, and then one day.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, at the the time, all these events happened. uh, Really, I felt like I was at the top of the world. I was engaged and married to this amazing woman, and uh, you know. Those type of lifestyles and those things with your families create challenges, but overall I was feeling like things were on a really good path, you know, it's feeling good.
0: Feeling good. I was, yeah. I'm ready for a new beginning. You know, yes. anybody that's been through divorce and many of us have, um, you know, that's that's a challenge in and of itself and then you're starting anew. You've turned that page. You got through that mucky muck.
1: Yeah, we did, yeah.
0: And you were living in Lancaster County. Yes, correct. Manheim Township. Not yes. far from here. Our studios are right here in Reading, Pennsylvania at the Crown Plaza. And I live in Lancaster, and when I read your book, I thought, oh, I, I kind of remembered the story being in the news. There was a tragic incident in Mannheim Township. What happened?
1: Well, it was a Mother's Day weekend in 2007, and a uh, family was killed in the, what would be the parents' safety of their home. Uh, the son, who was 16 at the time, and the best friend of one of my children, my oldest son, and, and uh, his name was Kevin, and then both of Kevin's parents they were killed in the middle of the night uh, in their home so somebody came into their home for no apparent reason um, and uh, murdered them in the middle of the night
0: in a relatively quiet safe neighborhood
1: yeah absolutely Um, I never locked my doors at night and the crime took place maybe a mile from my home in the same neighborhood so it was um, yeah it was type of neighborhood where people didn't worry about locking their doors Uh, not a whole lot real bad ever really happened in our in our area I mean the area was a a more upscale, for the mm-hmm. most part. So, it was deemed pretty safe and a great place to live. So,
0: how did that rock your world, your family? Did you knew the family?
1: Yeah, actually, as a, uh, Kevin was one of my oldest son's two best friends, so he'd been in my home probably hundreds of times. Uh, Alec had been over at his home many, many times. Um, I was friendly with his parents. We didn't know them real well, but you know, it was friendly and. The uh, father Tom was a runner, so we'd talk about running because I did some You're running a myself a little bit and uh so we'd talk about that. But yeah, there was it was hit very close to home. I mean my entire family knew Kevin and you know, he knew our family, so yeah, it was very close.
0: Well the whole neighborhood. What you know, what was the reaction? And there, uh, an investigation unfolded.
1: Well yeah, there was the na- the neighborhood was really in shock because there was no forced entry. The intruder or intruders came in through the back door, um which wasn't locked. I went upstairs. A knife was used in the crime, so it was a particularly gruesome crime scene. And uh, there was one surviving member of the family, actually the oldest daughter, who was home. um, I managed to get out of the house and called for help. But yeah, the entire community was pretty much in shock. This family was involved in the community, in their church. They Mm -hmm. were very quiet, respectful, loving family. No one could imagine why anybody would want to hurt them. That's how nothing was taken from the home. So it wasn't a robbery. There was nothing like that going on. So it really put the whole community in a state of kind of shock and fear. I mean, I started locking my doors. Um, There was no real clues or any idea who had done it. Mm -hmm. And that continued for weeks. So you could tell that the authorities had no idea who had done this.
0: As those weeks went by, did the tension ease or increase?
1: Um, It actually, people kind of get back to their normal routine. That's what I'm thinking. But there was still this underlying tension and fear. I mean, every time something would happen in the community, there'd be this overreaction uh, for example, there's a gentleman I don't think I even mentioned in the book, but was wandering around in the neighborhoods looking in back windows, and all of a sudden it was all over the news that this might be the suspect in the murders. It turned out just some guy that was wandering around, not really doing anything. Yeah, but the the police were reacting in mass, and the community was in panic over it. And so yeah, and the people I worked with, um, they were frightened. Would talk to me about it. You know, word got out, and people knew that I was close to the family, and they'd ask me, you know, anybody who did this, what's going on, and I was as clueless as everybody else.
0: How were your children?
1: Um, Alec was his typical self. I was trying to keep a close eye on him.
0: What is his typical self?
1: Well, kind of keeping to himself, not want to talk about what's going on with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would, prior to this happening, I knew he'd been kind of angry and even seemed depressed. I was trying to get him to talk to me or someone else to figure out, you know, what's going on. He was 16, kind of struggling with just all, this, all the things that 16 brings for some people.
0: There's a lot of angst uh, as a teenager. Yeah. I was mean, it typical angst or more... I thought it was typical,
1: but he had always had a um, an edge about him, a little an angry side, and it seemed like that had been a little more uh, evident of late. He seemed to be getting angry faster, and things were bothering him more. On his 16th birthday, he seemed basically really downright depressed. Didn't want to celebrate or really do anything for his birthday, so I, I was concerned about him. And I thought, well, losing one of his best friends could be really traumatic for him.
0: Did he have a downward spiral? spiral after the
1: incident? No, he stayed about how he always was. You know, I'd ask him how he's doing. He'd give me a typical response. Oh, I'm fine. I'm okay. You know, wouldn't really elaborate. Um, His siblings, they were, you know, weren't as close, so they were just kind of caught up in the whole, Mm -hmm. my youngest son, not so much, because he was a little younger, but my daughter's kind of just caught up in the whole drama of the, the community was. But Alex seemed to be just kind of handled it like he did everything, you know, was quiet about it, said he was all right. Withdrawn. Yeah, a little bit from, just didn't want to talk about it.
0: But then he attempted suicide.
1: Well, what had happened is uh, his mother and I had joint custody, and I wasn't—he wasn't with me the night this happened. Um, He was on the phone with his, with a friend of his, Mm -hmm. and was talking about maybe committing suicide. He didn't, as far as I know, attempt it. He had a gun with him, was saying that he was considering it. Uh, The young lady he was talking to got the attention of her mother and told, left her know what kind of conversation was going on. She managed to get in touch with Alex's mother. She called the police. And then they came over and basically were able to take him into custody without any incident. So
0: so they took him into custody for his yes. own safety. Yes, correct. At yeah. that point. Yeah. Um, and then he went to Lancaster General Hospital and they correct. transferred him? Yeah, they took him to
1: Lancaster General. They did, um, what I understand, a preliminary review of him and determined that he was um, in a mental condition that they weren't qualified to handle. Mm-hmm. So he was forcibly admitted to Philhaven Mental Health Hospital in Lebanon County.
0: And when that happened, what are you thinking at this point? Where, where's
1: your head? Well, I get, I find out about all this the following morning. I get to work, and for whatever reason, I miss the calls on my cell phone. And there's a couple messages on my cell phone from my daughter and my uh, my ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And piecing together the, the somewhat frantic messages, I figured out he was in Philhaven Mental Health Hospital, and there was a bad incident last night. So I kind of got filled in with the these things after the fact. Um But on my way to Philhaven, this was kind of my worst nightmare come true at that point because I knew he'd been struggling depressed. Mm -hmm. And apparently it was a lot worse than I thought because now, you know, he was thinking about committing suicide. And at 16, you think, gosh, what's going to happen to his life from here on out? What are we going to do with this? You know, we were talking about colleges, all kinds of different things. You know, Alec is a very bright young man. He was a straight-A student. And now I wonder, well, where do we go from here? So it kind of really rocked our world that he was – that angry, that upset and disturbed that they felt they needed to put him in a mental health hospital.
0: Was there any degree of um, relief because he was at a place he could get help?
1: Uh, Not initially. I was kind of, quite frankly, wigged out by the whole thing. As I got to calm down and the people there spoke to us and told us what's going to happen, that realization did start coming around. Okay, this is bad, but now we know what's going on. You know, uh, his thoughts were darker and more depressed than I, I could even have imagined. But at least, as you said, now he's in an environment he can get some help. Mm-hmm. So I started to think, okay, let's get him some help, get him back on track, and this might just be a, a bump in the road. And, you know, he's only 16. It happened at the end of the school year, so I figure it's summer. He has all summer to get back on track. Right. School year start. By then, it'll be yep. like it never Is happened. It junior He was a sophomore when Sophom- this all happened, yeah.
0: So, my goodness, life's chugging along fine. There's a tragic triple murder in the community and it's your son's best friend he is considering suicide he gets to a place where he can get help are you feeling like okay what next could you ever imagine what happened next
1: no that wasn't really on my my radar at that point uh yeah. what i was the first couple of days are really hard because uh, he was in such an angry depressed place and he didn't want to be in phil haven he was on suicide watch so somebody was beside him 24 7 you know, if he went to the bathroom, the door had to be open, shower. I mean, he had no privacy. All that really, Alec is a really private kind of guy, so that really wigged him out. And he just hated being there. Didn't feel he should be there. Uh, but as the days went along, he seemed to be improving. His attitude got better. And we we're getting to a point where we're actually talking about maybe he could be released and what the outpatient treatment looked like, things like that. So there was a good progression occurring.
0: And then what happened?
1: Well, we were in a um, family counseling session on a Tuesday night. And that was part of his regular treatment. And his mother and I wanted to discuss the person he was on the phone with the night he talked about committing suicide. He was actually on the phone with a young lady. And he had told us once he calmed down that he really loved this young lady and was really looking forward to getting out and taking up where they left off. Unfortunately, when we inquired with her and her uh, mother about how she felt, she didn't feel the same way. And it wasn't anything against Alex. She just didn't want a boyfriend in general. She's a sophomore in high school. She was raised to not have a boyfriend in high school, just focus on school, enjoy being young, and that that was good. And as I tell folks, you know, all of us can remember that first crush probably, and it never works out or hardly ever works out, and it's always traumatic. And seeing he was already in a fragile state, we wanted to go over this with him while we were at Philhaven, try and deal with it, Mm -hmm. and get that out of the way before he came home. So we were talking about when he might come home, what that would look like. And then we ventured into the subject of how this young lady felt. And I told him basically what I told you. And immediately he got really agitated. You could tell it upset him. He was looking at the floor, got you know really, um, just really uncomfortable. You could tell it really bothered him. And at the point he looked at his mother and I and waved his hand and said, um, I need to get out of here. And I asked him if he meant me or his mom or, or what he meant. And um, he just said, I need you guys to get out of here. So, his so mother and I left the room, and he stayed in with the counselor to speak for a while. And um, I don't know how long it was. After a little while, the door opens, and the counselor asks to come back in. And I could tell something had happened because she looked a little shaken and uh, a little less comfortable than before. The counselor did. The counselor did, yeah. She looked kind of, like, upset, like something had gone on. So uh, Alec's mother and I have a seat. And uh, the counselor comes in and sits down, and she looks at us and goes, Alex has something to tell you. And he looks right at me and goes, I killed Kevin and his parents. So yeah, that's I knew that. I read the book, yeah.
0: but to hear it audibly.
1: Yeah, yeah, so he looks right at me and basically says that. So. did
0: you believe him? Did you think um, he was in angst?
1: Well, my first thought was I can't believe it, he really did it. I was really honest with my first thought. And because of his anger and depression, there was frankly there were times throughout the process that entered my mind since he had no leads, and it was pretty obvious that whoever was in here probably knew the house because of the entry and everything. Mm-hmm. It had dawned on me, could he have something to do with it?
0: Something to do with
1: it. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't rather, just was he involved somehow? But then he dismissed it. I watched his actions. I thought, well, now it doesn't doesn't seem like that. You know, there's nothing that would indicate that. And he was with his mother. She didn't tell anything to me that would lead me to think that any abnormal happened or anything like that. So I just kind of displaced those thoughts. Where
0: do you go with that? So now he commits or he confesses to these murders. Yeah. Um, where do you go with that?
1: Well, then I went to where you basically said, I, went, well, I wanted to make sure he wasn't making this up. The counselor started asking him some questions. If he's making up because of all the trauma, you know, he's lost mm-hmm. his best friend. Maybe it's from what he saw in the newspaper, the news, and he insisted, no, I'm not making it up. So I asked him for some details. They don't gory, but just tell me some things that haven't been in the media that would let me know you're there. And he gave me a few pieces of information that i later find out were accurate and correct. And, uh, so we talked for a little while, and the, the counselor dismissed him, and they brought in an administrator from the from Philhaven who talked to us for a while. And his uh, parting thought was that he hopes that we do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the first it dawned on me that the right thing to him would be tell the authorities what I now know. Right. So.
0: You talk in your book about um, there's the easy way and there's the right way, and yeah. they're never usually the same. Yeah. Was, did you ever... Contemplate not turning him in because Phil Haven legally couldn't share his confession, correct?
1: That's basically the law. There's some gray area there, but not mm-hmm. very much. Um, so, for the most part, that's why Phil Haven put that onus on us because, according to the law, they most likely could not have come forward. Correct.
0: We'll find out what happens next in What's the Story.